The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. And I think as evangelicals, we've been sound asleep. And I know we talk about Christians getting involved in politics, academia, and the like. But what do you do when you've got a systemic discrimination where a faculty will not employ someone who is intellectually capable, but because they have certain views, they are no longer acceptable. Christian leaders come together to explain the danger facing every believer as religious liberty is being thrown aside. Next on Life Today. Welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robinson, and my wife Betty and I welcome you to what I believe is going to prove to be some of the most important television you will ever see in your entire life. Now, now hear this. 70 of the major church leaders in America gathered right here in a supernatural gathering. With great diversity among these church leaders, the supernatural unity I believe Jesus prayed for. And we came together in your behalf with concern for your future, for your freedom, for your family, for the security that you long for and the peace that you know is so important. And you want to see everything precious, beginning with life and opportunity, preserved and protected. What was your feeling about it? I'm very excited about what we, we, we saw and we heard, James, because I think it's so important to the Christian, the Christians like me that are, we're not always around all the leaders that can encourage you and can can lift you up and make you understand better what's really going on. And that's what's exciting about it to me is because you and I run across people everywhere we go saying, asking questions, well, what do you think is going to happen? What's going to take place? What should we do? And how should we react to the different things that are, our country's facing today? And I think there's a lot of answers in these meetings. And I think that you would be very very excited and hopeful as you listen and watch these shows that we're going to, to begin to show you right away. Without a doubt, we are on our way to losing many freedoms, beginning tragically with religious freedom, the freedom of religion. The constitutions, the amendment, the first amendments guarantee that no government action can put limitation on the expression of our religious beliefs, our convictions and our faith. Let's not lose our first freedom. I want to ask George Wood if he would just make a comment. I have loved uh, talking to you about our, our mutual concern for the future of our nation, for freedom itself. Uh, not only freedom of religion, but just freedom overall. And we're about to cast aside the foundation upon which freedom was established and build on, on obvious uh, sand. We've cast aside the truth. So as a leader of a very, uh, let's say, high-impact uh, denomination, uh, Christian community, uh, what do you say to the people that you shepherd uh, as we face this uh, very serious election uh, here in November to choose our nation's leaders? What do you say? How do you advise the shepherds and the pastors and the people that you oversee? One thing that I would just simply point out is that if you are a practicing evangelical, and by that I mean someone who holds to the authority of Scripture, if you are a practicing Catholic, which means you hold to the doctrines of the Catholic Church, 
in, not just in name only, but in actual reality, believe what the church teaches, you cannot be appointed currently to the Supreme Court. You cannot be appointed to an appellate bench because your views on human sexuality, on the beginning of life and the end of life are absolutely unacceptable. So what you have in this culture today is a, a huge swath of the population is ineligible to serve on the federal bench, which we all know has become the super legislature rather than a truly judicial body. And so you've, you've got this happening, and, and it's kind of like the parable that Jesus talks about, the weeds and the wheat, where the enemy sowed weeds while they were sleeping. And I think as evangelicals, we've been sound asleep and not, and not sufficiently aware, and our people are not sufficiently aware, that there is a discrimination that's taken place. And I know we talk about Christians getting involved in politics and, and, and the academ academia and the like, but what do you do when you've got a systemic discrimination where a faculty will not employ someone who is intellectually capable of uh, any academic trait, but because they have certain views, they are no longer acceptable. So they are, they are characterized, they are marginalized, they are discriminated against, and they are persecuted. And I see this uh, election as a watershed in whether or not that trend is going to accelerate and we're going to have situations emerge like we had with California Senate Bill 1154, which in one uh, swoop would have put all Christian colleges in California out of business. Whether there will be a judicial fiat that says it is uh, not appropriate to uh, support uh, any religious education uh, institution that discriminates on the basis of what it believes the Bible teaches about human sexuality. And uh, so we get... Uh, and, and, and the Hobby Lobby decision is 5-4 hanging in the balance. It's little sisters of the poor. Who in the world would want to persecute the little sisters of the poor? Only, only someone that has an uh, uh, extreme view of human secularity. So for, for me, this, this election is, a, is fundamentally about religious freedom, and a lot of things go with that. I realize there are a lot of other important issues, but as that is what I have honed on, in, honed in on and tried to alert our own constituency in our fellowship to what is at stake with this election. Well, thank you. You agree with what you just heard? I think that's powerful. That was... George, thank you. And I talked to David Green just a few days ago and he was expressing gratitude for those of us who are really trying to just deliver truth uh, to all with ears to hear and uh, to go through every open door. And he says, I'm watching things change as a result of the, the witness uh, to, to a candidate or candidates who, who see the truth as a result of it being delivered. And he said, but do you understand how important it is that, that right now we're one justice away meaning what comes up in the Supreme Court if it swings, that the, of, of literally losing freedom overall, beginning with religious freedom. And that really is the truth. He was not exaggerating. Here's a man who's being, his company in the Hobby Lobby, being fined a million dollars a day uh, for not uh, you know, doing what they told them to do that went against all their convictions. And they refused to bow down. They did not uh, bow down to the, the idols that were set before them or the demands. And uh, miraculously, and, I, and, and David was so gracious to talk about how much people's prayers meant to them, their support, how the, the family of God stood together 
and miraculously at their time, they, they seem to have gotten a, at least a, 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 let's say, an extension of possibility, but they don't even know for certain what's going to happen. We're waiting to see who the next justices are. So these are extremely important issues. Well, I think this, I think this matter of, uh, of marginalization and discrimination is, uh, uh, does not even take into account uh, a matter of white, black, Latino, whatever. If you are a Latino evangelical, Latino practicing Catholic, you don't get on the federal bench. If you are black, evangelical, or Pentecostal, or practicing uh, your faith it, that is based on scripture, you do not get on the federal bench. And that's, that goes true for any, any racial group. There is a systemic discrimination in the legal field on the federal bench and extending to some state courts, depending upon what the governor and the legislature is like, that is unlike anything we've seen in our country's history. And, and I think the church has got to wake up and realize this, that the culture is being changed by persons who are dedicated to uh, redefining the, uh, uh, the First Amendment freedom of religion as freedom of worship. You can keep your views within the four walls of your sanctuary, but do not bring them out into the public square. And that is straight on the issue that we're facing in this culture. There are many evangelicals out there who do not see the point you are making. That's right. They are completely missing what is at stake before us right now. I can't figure it out. I really can't figure it out. When God looked at Rebecca with the, when she was pregnant with twins, he didn't say to her, two products of conception are in your womb. He didn't even say two babies are in your womb. He said two nations are in your womb. God who lives in the eternal now. And it stymies me that there are evangelical voices today who don't see how critical this matter is for the future of the unborn and of those who are already in life whose values and whose voices are going to be shut down. I, wa I want to give you a simple illustration of this. One of the most prominent universities. It doesn't matter what you could be speaking on. You could be speaking on the age of the earth and somebody is going to raise a volatile social issue of our time as the first question. And the point they want to make out of that is to silence you even on that by injecting this. So I, I was at a major university when that question was raised and I looked at the person and I said, you know, Jesus taught us to question the questioner because when you question the questioner, they open up within their own assumptions and it changes the entry point of the discussion. So uh, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. You know, if you're calling me God, are you going to listen to me or do you don't believe I'm God? That's really what Jesus intended when he questioned the questioner. So I said to the person, I'm happy to answer your question. If you will please answer mine. There are three possible cultures as far as ethics is concerned. There is the uh, theonomous culture, theos meaning God, nomos meaning law, where God dictates the law within the human heart and we operate by his law. Is America a theonomous culture? He says, no, I don't believe that. I said, yeah, once upon a time, we called that natural law that the conscience impelled you towards human value and so on. He didn't believe that. So I said, then there's a heteronomous culture, heteros meaning another and nomos meaning law, where a handful from the top, top dictated for the masses. Islam is religiously a heteronymous culture. Marxism is politically a heteronymous culture. The handful at the top dictated for the masses below. I said, is that the culture you want? He says, uh, no, we're not a heteronymous culture. I said, that leaves the third one, autonomous. 
autos meaning self, nomos meaning law, that we individually give ourselves the privilege of conscience on right and wrong, since you don't believe in theonomy or heteronomy. He said, that's where we are. I said, all right, since we're an autonomous culture, I'll answer your question. Will you give me the privilege of my autonomy to do that? Or as soon as I answer your question and you don't like it, you'll switch to a heteronomous no mode and condemn me for it and take away my freedom. <laughs> that is exactly what we are facing right now. They, we on paper call ourselves autonomous, but as soon as you inject the theistic perspective or an absolute moral law or that human life has intrinsic worth and so on, you're all of a sudden put into a heteronomous mold and the few at the top dictated, this self-destruction is going on. And yet we talk about tolerance, the most unlikable word for dealing with serious, very moral issues. You don't just tolerate people. You've got to be able to, given the, given the freedom it, to peaceably and with dignity disagree. And you're absolutely right. The academy and the bench is blocking those views out. And I just think we are gonna have to, this kind cometh not out except by fasting and praying. You know, things can change as we seek the mind of the Lord no one would ever have thought during Mao Zedong's era when he burned the seminary libraries and he, in the 64, I think, said Christianity is a forgotten theme here, never to return again. Today, you can have uh, literally tens of thousands of Chinese in prayer on any given Lord's Day. Or you go to Singapore and see the same thing. I believe in the hope that we are talking about, but the dark valley is very real. And uh, to speak your mind, you have to, you know, my mother used to say you can touch your nose this way or go around the long, wrong way. Uh, you have you've got to go down the long way before we get to it. And an average student sitting there, the light turns on on the inside and they will at least respect what it is you have to say. And I think that's how lives are going to be changed one, two, three yes. at a time. But your point is very important. And I wish the evangelical world would wake up to the starkness and the importance of what you're saying, that future generations are going to be affected by decisions made on the bench. And if we don't wake up to it, we'd lose the next round the same way. We were not uh, heard the previous time or backed off and didn't get involved, many did, and then they complain for the next few years about what's uh, happening the wrong way. We must get our people involved and get them voting so that the moral conscience speaks and expresses the greatest privilege God has given to us in this country to express a voice on what we believe the future needs to hold. Wow, is that good? All of it, really, really, really good. I wanna go, I wanna go from the Assembly of God uh, leadership, uh, Dr. Uh, Wood, to uh, Ronnie Floyd, who has just been president of the largest Christian denomination uh, in the United States, Southern Baptist. And uh, what do you want the church? and? From your point as a, as a shepherd pastor in, in uh, Arkansas, what do you want the church to hear and the nation to hear? Um, one of the real problems with America is it's so divided. And one of the real problems with the church is so divided. I've been in all kinds of settings over the last few years with all sorts of multi-ethnic brothers and sisters that I've encouraged to come together, as well as in meetings like this with various denominational preferences or beliefs. But what I find is, is that those of us that come together, it's just like Psalm 133 says, there's a mighty, mighty anointing when the unity 
of the Spirit is present among the brothers. And we cannot do this apart from one another. This is what really grieves me about the evangelicals, uh, not just within all of our ranks, within my own ranks at times. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, if we are really born again and we really love Jesus and we're really committed to the Word of God, to me it's pretty simple. I mean, the, the issues are very, very clear. And it's not about personalities. It's about platform. That's it. It's not about parties. It's about platform. And platform should be built off truth. And so we have to look at what is closest to the truth of God. But as I, I come and I talk about that, I know that that second thing, James, is, an, is this whole element of awakening. I mean, this is our greatest hope. And while we're active in the processes, we've got to understand that the greatest need to America is the next great awakening. And while we might lose hope at times, we must be people who believe that the same God that did it in the 1740s, the same God who did it in the last of the 1700s, the same God that did his great prayer revival in 1857, 1858, the same God that, that really brought the closest thing we know of in recent decades of the Jesus movement, a move of the Lord, is the same God today. And things are just as dismal, perhaps more, because we weren't living then. But we've got to preach the, the hope of awakening and fast and pray and trust that God can step in where man has absolutely no power. And simultaneously, we've got to become involved in activism. We got to get off the bench, man. Wow, thank you, Lord. I can't imagine any of you not being blessed by what you've seen today, what you'll see throughout the week and into next week. Well, you're going to hear, I believe, not just the heartfelt concern of some church leaders, some highly respected shepherds and, and, and women that have been incredible, uh, let's say, representatives of truth and freedom through, throughout the nation. As you've been listening, I believe your hearts have been moved and you understand that we must protect our freedom, not only the freedom of religion and worship, but, but the ability to create opportunity for others and to be blessed and maintain a stable economy and opportunities to work so that as we're blessed, we can bless others, which Betty, our viewers, I mean, you have, you're, you're amazing. You have such a God-given compassion, like I believe many of you are so concerned about the well-being of others that you know the importance of praying ahead of this election and not opting out, but making certain that you, you participate on every level to get the best possible leadership and to make sure they understand this, the principles and the standards that are so important to freedom. But, but here's what I know. You have such a God-given concern that when we show you an opportunity to change someone's life with, a, with, a, with a, an extended hand of love and mercy, you're anxious to do it. And right now, here's what we're trying to do in the season of giving. As we thank God, we go into Thanksgiving, as we move into the Christmas season, right now, ahead of time, we want to provide the greatest possible Christmas for some little children that have tremendous needs. And it is going to be an overwhelming expression of joy. Watch closely and see if you don't want to change everything through an act of love for some very precious children and their families.
We've been privileged to have shoes go as gifts during the year to many of our mission outreaches. I have wanted to do this for so many years, from the very first year to the first village. It's really hurt me to watch the injuries that they have to their feet. But look, those are shoes in there. We can get them easily. They don't need to go barefoot. It's horrible. They get diseases in their feet. They already have enough to deal with without that. So this is an easy fix for them to get their feet protected. Let's do it. It's, it's great. Look at this. It's awesome. They're so happy. Let's see your feet here. Oh, getting heavier. Many of them have never had shoes. They're so excited about getting them today. They were pushing and crowding in on us. You can help us to get shoes for these children. Good fit. Good fit for you guys. Wow, that's exciting to me, Betty. I watched Jeannie Rogers. You may not know this. Uh, Jeannie's been with us, my goodness, and traveled for well over 40 years. But she was a teenager, and she accepted Christ, where I was preaching, at a youth encampment in Falls Creek, Oklahoma. And she was a wonderful little church soloist. And during the course of the week, she realized, I've been singing about a Jesus I don't really know. And Jeannie gave her life to Christ, a great singer, did all the crusades with us. Remember, some of you may not even know, I did over 600 citywide crusades. And then God moved us into the servant role. And here this gifted singer, many times Jerry Falwell said, the greatest singer, male or female, on the face of the earth, Jeannie Rogers. That's the way Jerry Falwell would introduce Jeannie. And, and here's the thing. When we went to the mission fields, our hearts went there and she went right with us and she's never stopped. It's beautiful. And we also saw our grandson there, our, our beautiful daughter, Robin, who was watching from heaven, saw Chris not only there on a life-changing experience on the mission field, he said, but another life-changing experience when he was married a few weeks ago to a beautiful bride. And he honored his mother with the kind things he said. And mom has continued to be honored by the beautiful witness of her, her son and now that beautiful bride. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's the love of God that changed Jeannie. It's the love of God that's expressed through Jeannie and her excitement about putting shoes on little children's feet. The love of God that led our grandson to say, this mission trip and opportunity changed my life in so many positive ways. Thank you for making those opportunities possible. Would you help us provide shoes for children this Christmas? $36, they're $3.60 a piece and basically, their shoes, like the Crocs that you'll pay 30 to $40 for, I mean, they're basically the same. But we're able to get them for these children at $3.60 a pair. $36, 10 children's shoes for Christmas. $180, 50 children. Would you help us? Would you please give us an opportunity to put in the hands of those missionaries a beautiful expression of love? We want to send you as a gift for an expression of thanks for any gift, a beautiful little Christmas ornament that we've been giving like this for years. And we send this for any gift. But let me show you something else. And Betty, I think this is just absolutely I beautiful. Love this. Because you can put you can put all of these on the tree. Some of you have been mm -hmm. collecting them over the years. Now you'll be able to basically double 
the, uh, uh, the beautiful tree. Here are all of the shoes that have been made over the last six seasons. And we will send you this as a gift. If you would make that gift to give 50 children uh, a pair of shoes. And of course, we have the beautiful bronze. If you could make a very special gift, we're also giving smiles. We're doing surgeries for little children with cleft palate or some kind of a lip or facial deformity. And I'm telling you, that love gift puts a smile on a child's face and everybody that ever sees them. I want to thank you. Thank you right now for going to lifetoday.org or dialing that number. It's always there if you need prayer, but it's also there if you want to share an expression of God's love. And take your bank card, make the best gift you can make, and I'm telling you, it's going to have a transforming effect. Please, right now, lifetoday.org, dial the number. If you send a check, call us and tell us what you're putting in the mail. Make the check to life. Thank you for doing it. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair. And a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted blue metal shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $180 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request our Majesty Bronze Sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, I, I can't look at these shoes and not smile. I mean, these are precious little shoes. They are. Because they're going on precious feet. And they're given because of love. God's love through you. And, and Betty, we just say thank you Absolutely. in behalf of all these children. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your, the way you respond. We can always bring a need to you, and you respond so graciously. Thank you. you you're amazing. And by the way, really pray. Don't opt out of the decision of choosing our leaders and, and basing your decisions on the foundation and the principles essential to freedom and to our future. There are no perfect candidates, no perfect voters, but we want to deliver the truth and we want to share the wisdom of God, which is what we've been doing and will be doing the next days. Thank you for demonstrating the love of God. Thank you for your prayers.
Tomorrow on Life Today, Christian leaders from across the country come together to discuss how the church should respond to racial division. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.